Uh, I want you to look at a, a scripture tonight in Hosea chapter 6. We're going to go ahead and dismiss any of the children that have their classes tonight. want to remind you now of Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. Praise the Lord. And then Sunday night is going to be a celebration of Brenda's 60 years. Amen. Amen. And so don't miss any of the services. And uh, next Wednesday night, our youngest son, James Edward Thomas, will be ministering the Word of God. Amen. I understand that they were in Branson today or wherever they went to the doctor at. And uh, Esther, of course, is pregnant. And uh, the doctor put his hand or her hand on Esther's stomach and the baby kind of leaped in her womb. Hands raised, feet moved. And James said, whoa. (laughs) Now, if you know James, that would even be even funnier. (laughs) Praise God. And so it's going to be awesome. Going to be a great, great time in the Lord. Uh, John, my oldest, will be sharing a little bit on Sunday morning. Um, Just not preaching, but uh, he'll be sharing some. But uh, Hosea chapter 6 and verse 1, he says, Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn, but he will do what? He'll heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, what will he do? He will revive us. After two days. That's, uh, you know, one day with the Lord is a thousand years. Amen? And two days is two thousand years. (laughs) It's been about two thousand years since the resurrection of Christ from the dead. But thank God on the third day. On the third day, he's going to raise us up. Amen. We, the body of Christ, are going to get out of here. Glory to God. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. He's coming for us. Amen. And then, thank God, he's going to come with us. But on the third day, he will raise us up that we might live in his sight. Now, notice verse 3. Verse 3 of that same verse says, Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like what? He will come to us like the rain. You'll come. We just sang that song. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. Woo, glory to God. Say it with me, even so, Lord Jesus. Let it rain. Let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now look with me over at James, the fifth chapter, and we want to notice something there in verse 7 and 8 of James chapter 5. He says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the what? Unto the coming of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I sense it's close. I sense it's very close. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receives what? The early and the latter rain. And then he says, be also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Say that with me. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So Jesus is talking here about his coming. Of course, we know that he's the husbandman and he hasn't come yet. That's quite obvious, is it not? So he's waiting for something. 
What hinders him from coming? Well, the scriptures tell us that he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth until he received the early and the latter rain. Now, the precious fruit of the earth means harvest. Mm -hmm. Remember, um, in the beginning of this month, we started praying about harvest. You know, we've seen a good harvest. We've seen hundreds of people get saved. We've seen lives being touched by the power of God. And so harvest then is, in fact, the precious fruit of the earth. And the precious fruit of the earth is yet to come in. Oh, they've come in a lot, but there's more to come in. Amen. Amen. And so the scriptures tell us he's waiting for that until he received the early and the latter rain. Amen. So I believe that the early and the latter rain and the latter rain has begun, but there's a greater deluge that's about to come. Look at your neighbor and say, did you know there's a flood coming? And so our part then is to ask of the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. That's our part. His part is to send the rain. Our part is to pray for the rain. Amen. I believe that you can get so excited about rain, but you not only pray about the rain, but you dance in the rain. Or you could do a rain dance. I mean, you just get so happy about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that the unction, the anointing gets in your feet. Amen. Now, many of you know what it was like to get an anti-anointing in your feet. You know, you did a lot of strutting and a lot of dancing and a lot of boogieing or whatever they call it. But I'm telling you, there's a dance in the spirit. And I'm not talking about a dance in the demonic spirit. There's a dance in the Holy Ghost where the unction gets in your feet to where you just can hardly stand it anymore. You just got to move your feet. You just got to shuffle. And I'm not talking about the Harlem shuffle. I'm talking about dancing in the spirit. And when you dance in the spirit, glory to God, it's quite an experience. Amen. So the Hebrew Christians, they knew a lot about the early and the latter rain. Now, the earlier, the former rain occurred in November, and that was right after the autumn harvest to prepare the, uh, the, the ground for future planting. And then the latter rain came in the spring prior to the harvest to mature the crop. Now, in days past, and I'm sure that Brenda can testify to this, and maybe you grew up in a church like this as well, where there was a lot of uh, fire and brimstone type preaching. How many of you know what fire and brimstone is? You know, talking a lot about sin and what you should wear and what you shouldn't wear and how you should wear your hair and how you shouldn't wear your hair. Thank God we don't get sermons like that here. But at the same time, a lot of those churches, not saying the church Brenda grew up in, they talked about, you know, great darkness and great trouble and great trial coming upon the earth. Well, we know that in the last days there will be perilous times for the world. But I believe that as we stay close to him and continuously draw nigh to him, I believe that there are glorious times in store for the church, the body of the anointed one and his anointing. Now notice with me in Isaiah chapter 60, and I want to look at verses 1 through 3, and we are in a series right now 
on restoration. I want all of you to declare restore three times with me. Go ahead. Restore, restore, restore. Somebody says, what are you doing? We are charging the very atmosphere with an expectancy of restoration. And we are declaring that restoration is in the air. The restoration of people's soul. The restoration of people's bodies. The restoration of people's finances. The restoration even of relationships. Amen. See, he tried to get the children of Israel to declare restore because he said, I've got something new I want to do. But they were so deaf and hard of hearing, and their sight was so blinded, they couldn't see this new thing that God wants to do. But thank God the eyes of our understanding are enlightened. They're wide open. Our heart is open. And so we're prophesying. Everyone say restore one more time. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise and shine For thy light is come. That does not sound to me like go find find you a cave and hide out till he comes. No, we are to arise and shine for our light is come. Now read the rest part of it with me. Go ahead. And the glory of the Lord is risen. Upon me. Upon you. That ought to be a part of your daily confession. The glory of the Lord has risen upon me. Verse 2. For behold the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. Yes we know that darkness is very gross. And it causes people to do gross things. But the Lord. What will he do? He will arise upon you. And his glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light. The Gentiles should come to the brightness of thy rising. And so what Isaiah is really prophesying about is the glorious access of the Gentiles into the church. What he's saying is this. There's coming a manifestation of his glory, greater glory. Numbers said it like this, for as truly as I live, the whole earth shall be filled with the glory of God. Don't you know that when the glory of God and the floods of God hit their highest stages, people around the world are going to see it. They're going to see it on TV. They're going to see it via satellite. They're going to see it. It's going to be so thick and so um, saturating this earth that it will be undeniable. He says in Habakkuk that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah said this. The glory of the Lord is going to be revealed and all flesh will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And so what is the glory of God? What is this reign that he comes to us as? It is the manifest presence of God. If you look up the word glory, it has several meanings. 
I love what Brother Copeland says. He said that glory means to be weighty, to be heavy with everything good. Everything good. Ooh, glory to God. Man, that just about sets my feet to dancing right there. To be heavy with everything good. Goodness is another word for glory. To be heavy, to be weighty, to be rich. You know, when God shows up, He doesn't show up broke. Splendor, brightness, magnificence, and greatness. We started this year out by declaring this is the year of the greater. What are we saying? We're saying that the glory of the new covenant is greater than the glory of the old covenant. And after all, shouldn't you and I expect far greater glory under this new way? Now that the Holy Spirit has given us life? In Acts chapter 2... Peter preached a powerful word on the day of Pentecost. He was referring to Jesus' resurrection. And in Acts chapter 3, he started talking about the times of refreshing. Now, I want you to look over Acts chapter 3, verse 19, verse 19 through 22. Amen. Excuse me. He said, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. The American Standard Version gives a better translation. He says, Repent, turn again, that your sins may be blotted out so that there may come seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. I believe that we are in one of those seasons right now. Amen? And I do not believe that this season is ever going to end. Amen. Verse 20 through 21. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. Now everyone declared times of rest refreshing. And times of restitution. The word restitution can also be translated restoration. Restoration. The American Standard Version gives it a better translation. He says, Repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out so that you may experience times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, seasons of refreshing, and times of great restoration now recently um, I've been reading a little bit after dad Hagen dad Hagen of course is my spiritual dad our heavenly father is the father of all of us amen Amen. but uh, the man that God used the most in my life and in Brenda's life was Kenneth E. Hagen and of course he went on to be with the Lord in 2003 and as you know, he, was, he had visited this church, done Holy Ghost meetings in this church, done ministers' conferences, done faith conferences. Remember that, Johnny? I mean, just awesome, awesome times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. I'll never forget one morning he was on the platform praying over on our facility over on Royal Avenue. He would teach on the subject of prayer, but he would not only teach it on, in the area of uh, precept, 
But he would also teach it by example. And so we'd all come to the front. We'd all pray in the Spirit. And one of the main things that Dad Hagen wanted to pray about in those days was the restoration of the power gifts, the return of the power gifts to a larger degree and a greater degree in and through the body of Christ. That being, of course, the gift of faith and the working of miracles. Amen. And what else is it? The gifts of healings. And so we'd be praying about that, but then sometimes, you know, he just sit up in that blue chair at that time. I got that chair back there in the kind of the green room, I guess. You ever figure out why they call them a green room? They're, they're never green. But he'd, he'd sit up in that chair, and, and it was like, you know, he'd start having a conversation with Jesus. And everyone would kind of eavesdrop. You know, when you get the opportunity to be around a man of God like that, that's well-developed and well-schooled in the school of the Holy Spirit, it's page rich dividends to do what the Bible says, watch and pray. Yeah. So we were watching, we were eavesdropping. And he started praying in the Spirit. He started laughing. And then he said, now, Lord, what about this present facility? This present facility. In other words, that building that we were in at the time. I mean, this present. And he started laughing. And he just started getting real tickled. And he started thinking, he said, oh, Lord, he says, you believe it if I told him? And he said, you want me to tell him? And the Lord said, no, 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 I won't tell him. He said, they'll have to pray it through for that to come to them. And then he just started laughing and he said the word happy at one time seven times. I mean, happy, 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 happy. He said it'll be said of that bunch that that's the happiest bunch of people I've ever seen. Amen. So, but he was praying about our present facility. Now, many of you know the story of that present facility over there. That land over there belonged to the San Lorenzo School District. And at one time, we had about 40,000 square foot, including the 12,100 square foot sanctuary building we built. It was quite a large building. You remember that, Johnny? How many of you remember that building? Yeah. And uh, the school district put a parking lot on there for us, and it was, it was a good situation. It was a good deal for us, but it was our building on their land. Yeah. Our building on their land. Now, make a note of that. Normally... When you move out of a building on someone else's land, you either tear the building down or you leave the building and that's it. But I believe that what he was praying about that day, he was praying about a supernatural deal. And we did get a supernatural deal from the San Lorenzo School District. They paid us just under $500,000 for that building. That was a miracle. That was a miracle. And that all came, I believe, by the spirit of prayer. By the spirit of prayer. Oh, and man, that helped us greatly. Amen? Well, I said all that to say this, that recently I've been reading his little mini book. If you don't have it, get his little mini book called Times of Restoration. And in that book, he said something that's very interesting, and I, I want to I wanna quote it to you. He says, there's two things to notice. Number one, times of refreshing... Number two, times of restoration. He goes on to say, the passage from Acts teaches us, just before the Lord's second coming, that we will experience both. And I quote, Some will ask what I mean by restoration. I mean restoration of the power of Christ, restoration 
of the authority of Christ and restoration of the character of Christ. So, the power of Christ, the authority of Christ, and the character of Christ. Amen. How many of you know that the character qualities of Christ are extremely important? And we're not going to talk about the character qualities of Christ now, but I'm going to tell you one thing for sure, that it's very important to endure, and if you're going to last long in the things of God and in the kingdom of God, you've got to have more than just being charismatic. You have to have more than just having charisma. Charisma will get you on the dance floor, but character will keep you there. Charisma will get you into the ministry or get you into your place of grace, but character will keep you there until your time is done. So these three things. Then he goes on to say, God wants all of these characteristics to be exhibited in the life of the church and in the lives of individual Christians. Christ is the head of the church. We are the body. He said, you know, your head cannot exercise any authority except through your body. And Jesus is not going to personally exercise any authority on the earth except through his church. John Wesley himself said, it seems as if God is limited by our prayer life. It's as if he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him to. Jesus carries out his work through the church, but members of the church have been so weak that they haven't recognized the authority and the power of the head, the authority that belongs to them. Now I can remember him pointing to me, that one morning in that hotel suite, and he says, the church, the body of Christ, has not exercised its authority to its fullest measure yet. How many of you want to exercise your authority? We preached a message Sunday morning, and I'm talking about the Holy Ghost in me. We preached a message Sunday morning, how shall we then live in these last days? And one of the points in that second service is we shall live authoritatively. We shall live exercising our authority. In these times of restoration, it is high time for the body of Christ to arise out of sleep and come to grips of who they are and what they have in Christ Jesus. And what they can do and how they can impact this nation, this world, this area with the authority that's in the word, that's in the name, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So for the rest of the time that I have tonight, let us talk about this restoration of power. Restoration of power. God's end time plan includes a time of restoration of his glory, a time of restoration of his power, 
a time of restoration of his gifts and his ministries to the church. You are going to see in these last days the fivefold ministry operate and function at a very high and strong degree. You're going to see teachers teach like they've never taught before. You're going to see pastors pastor supernaturally like they've never pastored before. You're going to see prophets prophesy like they've never prophesied before. You're going to see evangelists having miracles and signs and wonders operating through them like they've never seen before. And you're going to see the apostolic stronger than it's ever been. And the reach of the local churches is going to go way out beyond our borders into every continent, into every village, for the sent ones are going to function in full capacity. Glory to God. And that's what an apostolos is. An apostolos is a sent one. But you are also going to see the body. The body. The body of the anointed one. You and you. And people who will be serious about their relationship with God and stay close to God, we are going to see the body of Christ shine like we've never seen it before. We're going to see lay people flowing and operating in the gifts and manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah! And so then... We must recognize what we call the gifts or the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We must recognize these and not just have it be a part of our doctrine and not just have it be a part of our mission statement or our statement of faith, not just to be in a book by P.C. Nelson called Bible Doctrines, but to be branded strong within our hearts, ready to flow, ready to operate in the Spirit of God. And when I'm talking about the gifts of the Spirit, I'm not talking about getting weird. I'm not talking about getting strange. I'm not talking about us walking around having to use Elizabethan language in English all the time. You know, can you imagine me getting up in the morning and saying to Brenda, How art thou, my sweetest? And her saying, I art fine, O thou man of God. I've just heard from the Lord, sweetheart. We are to go to the Black Bear Diner for breakfast. (laughs) You get a witness there. Nangele pradideste. Naturally supernatural. Naturally walking in the light. Naturally speaking supernaturally. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And it shall bring life. It shall bring light. It shall bring joy. It shall bring answers wherever you go, says the Lord. Amen. I'm taking that. I take it. I believe with all of my heart that the spirit of seeing and the spirit of knowing is coming upon all of us. Pastor, what's the spirit of seeing? The spirit of seeing means that the Holy Spirit shows you exactly what you need to be shown. 
What is the spirit of knowing, Pastor? The spirit of knowing is you just knowing by the unction of the Holy Spirit exactly what you need to know at a given time for a given situation during a given season. How shall I know? You'll just know. Where shall I know? You'll know in your knower. Where's your knower? Your knower is your heart. Amen. Shouldn't I? Ate too much of that salsa before I came to church. It sure was good, though. Yes, I've been into the salsa. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm looking forward to some of that peach cobbler afterwards, too. I love it. You know, our kids are coming home. Oh, man, our refrigerator overfloweth. She says, it feels like Christmas. It's better than Christmas. Because I don't have to buy gifts for all of them. First <laughs> Corinthians chapter 12. Say with me, gifts and manifestations of the Spirit are normal. Are just natural for Spirit-filled believers. Let's not complicate it. I believe this. I believe that we can get in such a flow of the Spirit that the gifts of the Spirit can be operating and us not even know it. How many of you know that the unction, the Holy Ghost, the anointing can come upon you at work and give you a word in season for someone on the job? Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8-10. to Let's look at there. But for, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit... To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith or special faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings. Everyone say gifts of healings. By the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the self-same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as who wills. As He wills. Now, certainly we need to be willing, but we can't turn these on and off like we turn our faucet on and off at home. But we should covet them. We should earnestly desire them corporately as a church. Amen? And then individually as He wills. I've discovered this. That he's much more willing than we really know. As a matter of fact, I believe he's more than willing. He's looking for people that would say, yes, Lord, here I am. I'm open and ready to flow as you will. Let's look at miracles just for a little bit tonight. You know, these, these subjects on, on Wednesday night are really important. And the reason why is because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. And I'll be honest with you. I need a company of believers that will pull with me on Sunday mornings. I need a group of people that are on the same page with me. Amen? Amen? And because you're on the same page, our corporate faith, that spirit of faith, gets real strong. And what that does is that oftentimes overrides whatever else is in the room trying to hinder what God's got for us by way of utterance. See, utterance, and it doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's these three ladies on the front or whoever preaches the Word of God, utterance is not just dependent on the preacher. Uttered is dependent on two things. Amen. 
the anointing, the grace upon the preacher, but also the expectancy, come on, and the prayerfulness and the readiness of those who are hearing. And so these meetings on Wednesday night, as we're teaching and we're um, ministering along the lines of restoration, we minister along the lines of the working of miracles, this is important because our faith comes by hearing. And when you hear the Word of God, all of a sudden you start expecting God to show up. I believe it was Sunday morning. I talked about there's a flood coming for a while. You know what that means? It cannot be church as usual. Now, I don't know how many thousands of messages that Brenda's preached and thousands of messages that I've preached and how many thousands of messages over a period of 32 years here at Heart of the Bay that you've heard from us and other preachers. But I know one thing. It takes more than just the Word being preached. It takes more than just the Word being taught. It takes a group of people corporately together with the spirit of faith and the spirit of prayer. And above all, it takes the mighty, mighty Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we have help, right? But I believe greater help is coming. Thank you, Lord. So miracles in are a manifestation of His glory and of His power. The working of miracles, here's what it does. It displays God's power and it displays His magnificence. The Greek word for miracles here in 1 Corinthians 12.10 is dunamis. Everyone say dunamis. And I love how it can be translated. Dunamis, the working of miracles, can be translated acts of power. When he talks about working of miracles, we could literally say working of the acts of power. Dad Hagen saw it. He said it. A restoration of the power of Christ. A restoration of the authority of Christ. Now the Greek concordance reads this way. That miracles also means explosions of almightiness... Or impelling, staggering wonders or astonishments. In other words, it could read this way. To another, the working of impelling, staggering wonders or astonishments. Or the outworkings of explosions of almightiness and acts of power. Hallelujah. You ready? I'm ready for that. Amen. Now, an example of this is found in Acts chapter 8. Let's look at Acts chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. You ever heard of a guy by the name of Philip? Yeah. Well, in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, the Bible says Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached his denomination to them. No denomination will get credit for what God's going to do in this day and this hour. No evangelist, no prophet. It's way too big. For one person. But Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And then look at Acts chapter 6 and notice with me verse 8. Now, does anyone know anything about Stephen? 
Who was Stephen? Go ahead. Right. Yeah. Stephen was a deacon. That's what I was looking for. I wasn't sure because I didn't have it in my notes. But Stephen was a deacon. Now, now Philip was what? Philip was an evangelist. So Philip then stood in, the, in one of the fivefold ministry offices of an evangelist. But Stephen was a deacon, just like you're a deacon. Just like you're a deacon. Now, what is a deacon? A deacon is a person who just really renders help. A deacon is diakonos in the Greek. And the word deacon is a person that has been given some responsibility in the local church. Amen? In the ministry of helps. And we define helps in this church as having enough loving people serving. Amen? So it's very interesting to me that Stephen was a deacon, but Philip was an evangelist, but they both had miracles. Notice with me in Acts chapter 6 and verse 8. And Stephen, full of what? Faith. He was full of faith and power. and power. We could say it this way. He was full of the Word and he was full of the Spirit. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So Stephen was a deacon, but he was a deacon that was full. He wasn't a deacon that was a problem. He was a deacon that was full of the Word, saturated with the Word, and also full of the Holy Ghost. That's the kind of deacons we need. And the Bible says he did wonders and miracles among the people. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now look at Acts chapter 15, verse 12. Acts chapter 15, verse 12. Acts 15, 12 says, Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Saul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Everyone say miracles. Miracles. Now the word miracles there in the Greek means a sign or a mark. Literally, what it means is signs of divine authority. Signs of divine authority. And then, of course, in Acts 19.11, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. And so we see that miracles are a part, then, of these times of restoration. In closing tonight, I want you to look over at Luke chapter uh, 5, verse 36 through 38. Luke chapter 5, and notice with me in verse 36 through 38. This is pertinent uh, to what we are talking about this evening. Notice this in Luke chapter 5, verse 36 to 38. And Jesus spake a parable unto them. And I want you to read it with me because some of you are drifting on me. Ready, read. No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the way, the new, agreeeth not with the old. Now look at verse 37. And no man putteth new wine... Verse 38, read it. But new wine must be put into new bottles. And both 
Now, here's what Jesus is pointing out in this. That these wine bottles were made of skin. Once wine was put in them, what those wine skins would do is they would swell up and they would begin to change shape. And as the skin became old, it became brittle. And if they were to put wine in that brittle skin or old skin, it would burst. So what Jesus is saying, that they would need to renew the old wineskins. And the way that they would renew the old wineskins is first they would soak them in water. Soak them in water. Soaked and saturated in water. And then they would take olive oil. And they would pour the olive oil on the wine skin liberally after it had been good and soaked with water. Until it became soft and pliable again. And so then they were like they were new again so that they could put new wine into them and they would not burst. And I believe what Jesus is saying is this. That individuals, local churches, denominations are often just like those wineskins. Old, empty, dead, and brittle. But we've got the answer. I said, we've got the answer. How is it that you and I can be soaked in water to be renewed? Well, the Bible says that He will sanctify us and cleanse us with washing of water by the Word. I submit to you tonight, get large dosages of the Word. Take a shower in the Word. Take the labor, glory to God, and clean yourself and saturate yourself in the Word. By constant meditation and saturation of the Word. And then we know that after they were soaked in water, they rubbed olive oil them until they became soft and pliable. Ladies and gentlemen, oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. And the psalmist said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. And I'm telling you, that's what we need today. I don't know about you, that's what this preacher needs every day. We need a fresh anointing of the oil of the Spirit. We need large dosages of the water of God's Word. Because I believe there's going to be a flood of glory that's going to sweep all the nations right into the kingdom of God in these last days. Would you stand up? And when you get to your feet, let's say restore three times. All together now, one, two, three. Restore, restore, restore. Now make this confession with me. Thank you, Lord, for the rain. Thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. 
thank you for the early and the latter rain. Thank you, Lord, for the harvest. Thank you, Lord, for the precious fruit of the earth. The revival is not coming. The revival, the refreshing is here now. And I'm in it. And I'm walking in it. I'm a part of it. And I'll continue to be a part of it. And the work of God will be done. Come on, let's shout just a little bit and thank Him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let me read to you a prophecy. But respond ye unto the Word of God. Yes, soak your mind and your heart thoroughly in my Word. Let that Word not only, not only depart from your eyes, but hide that Word in the midst of your heart by speaking it and practicing it and doing it. And then it shall be said of you, Yes, the Lord is my helper and my keeper. For I walk not after man, nor after the thinking of man, nor the thoughts of man. But I walk in the light of the revelation of your word. I walk in the power of your spirit. I walk in the glory of your might. And I stand strong in him. Now another part of this prophecy says this. Yes, thus says the Lord of hosts, be prepared and be ready. Walk with me and be sensitive unto my spirit. Not only will you be blessed and your family be blessed, but your neighbor will be blessed. And all that you come into contact with will be blessed. And the blessings of the Lord shall flow like a mighty river. And the prophecy goes on to talk about people that say, well, the Lord couldn't use me, you know, because of my past. And basically the Lord was saying, your past is gone and must be forgotten. My blood is stronger than any of yours past. And he says, everyone will be used of the Lord. I like this. No unused members in the body of Christ. Everyone may not be a ministry gift to the body, but everyone may function in their place. So take your place. Oh, some have said, I don't know my place. Do then what your hand finds to do. Yes, minister everywhere you go. Speak ye the word of God, and the word of God will do the work. Yes, says the Spirit, Lord of hosts. You will not, I love this, you will not come up empty-handed. You will not be barren, nor shall you be fruitless. But rather you'll come into my presence, and you'll stand before my very throne, and the harvest shall be great. He said, do you think you've seen the full manifestation of my glory? Do you think that you've seen the full manifestation of my spirit? Think that thou hast seen the full manifestation of my gifts? Yes, you've seen a little. A glimpse here and a glimpse there. A little here and a little there. But your eye shall see and your ear shall hear the manifestation of the glory of God, the manifestation of the Spirit of God, the manifestations of the gift of God, and thou shalt have much cause for rejoicing. 
So why don't we just rejoice ahead of time? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So expect now me to visit you. Even in the night season. Even expect holy dreams to come unto thee. For the anointing that is in thee is about to rise up upon thee and to get stronger and stronger in this day, in this hour. Sit not back, resist not this, but yea, enter in, for the days ahead are bright. Amen? I believe it. Lord, I'm open. Let's just tell the Lord how open we are. Father, we're open. We are open to a manifestation of your love, a manifestation of your power. Lord, I pray that you would restore the joy of people's salvation. You know that joy is a huge earmark of this time we're in. And Brenda does such a wonderful job teaching on joy. I actually copied and pasted chapter 12 out of her book, Making the Most of Your Meltdowns. Amen. It's such good stuff that I can't help but steal it. And I was going to preach that tonight. But I believe that the Spirit of the Lord has spoken some good things to our heart tonight. Amen. We are heading for some great days. Do you believe it? Do you receive it? Well, let's just thank God for it then. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Master. Glory.